This is Sandra Wolf, Culture Agent Columnist for LB Post, and I'm here with... Christopher Scotes. I'm the Director of the University Art Museum, Cal State University, Long Beach. Great. And we're here today to talk about um, an exhibit that's going to be opening up in just a few days. Um, uh, why don't you tell me about it? Yeah, it opens September 12th and runs through December 13th. It's uh, an exhibition called 77 Million Paintings, and it's worked by Brian Eno. Brian Eno being the British musician, producer, visual artist extraordinaire, um, somebody whose work I've admired for decades now, and uh, feel incredibly privileged to be working with on this particular exhibition. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I think there's the feeling there's sort of a palpable excitement in the whole kind of community that about this event. Um, can you tell me a little bit about um, how you came to conceive of bringing this exhibit here? Well, the when I started here at the university four and a half years ago, we've talked a lot about the uh, merging of technology, the visual arts, and blurring the boundaries between film, TV, uh, new technologies, and so forth. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and this is one in a series of projects that uh, begin to examine that convergence. Uh, several years ago, we did a project called Sound Oasis, which was in the which took place in the middle of campus, and we created a uh, a sound cube, a three D sound cube with a group from London called Illustrious, which uh, basically uh, was run by Martin Ware. And Martin Ware was the lead, um, was the founder of um, the Human League and Heaven 17, the British rock bands. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, we created this large sound work on campus that enabled the, uh, the uh, visitor to the cube to walk through the space and experience sound that was both vertical, horizontal, and diagonal. And uh, very exciting piece. Soon, <clears throat> soon after that, we worked with a guy called uh, John Underkoffler, who uh, worked on an exhibition for us called uh, Tampa, uh, a cinematic interface for for um, uh, gestural design. And John Underkoffler was the science advisor for uh, Steven Spielberg on the film Minority Report. And in that film, Tom Cruise stands in front of a screen and moves things around by gesture and solves this particular crime. Well, that's a, that's a now a, a working interface, and visitors to the museum could come and edit seven films by by gesture and by prop scene uh, and so forth. And so this new investigation into... Um, sound and new technology and the visual arts is this Eno show is really just a, a, a one in that series and you know with Brian being this incredible musician who founded uh, ambient music who's sort of the father of ambient music and then you know this is new technology because there's a huge video component to this exhibition and so it sort of blurs uh, and brings together this convergence for us great and um, was it was it challenging to um, uh, develop interest in them coming here? Uh, well, I called them about two years ago, um, late one night sitting here in the office and very late in London, and uh, I sent them an email, and uh, they responded right away. And over the course of weeks and months, we started to figure out um, a plan for the exhibition. I sent them floor plans. Um, and uh, so they could begin to look at how an installation like this could take place at the university. 
I feel very privileged that they thought this would be a great place to do the exhibition. Um, this is Brian's only uh, American uh, appearance this year, essentially. He opened the Sydney Biennial earlier on this summer, and uh, this is the only time the exhibition will be shown in the United States, and Brian will be on campus September 20th to give uh, a lecture at the Carpenter Center on September 20th at 7 o'clock. And, uh, you know, this is an amazing event, not just for the university, not just for the museum, but Long Beach and Southern California in general. It, it is creating a lot of buzz, I think. That's great. And um, is there, are there going to be any other kinds of um, uh, things that he's going to be doing on campus while he's here? No, the lecture actually is the only uh, public presentation that Brian will be, be giving. Um, it's going to be an hour and a half long. He's going to talk about the exhibition. He'll talk about, I think, um, his career, his past work, uh, his collaborations, and so forth. So I think that it's a very, very rare opportunity that somebody like Brian Eno will be in Southern California keep talking about his work. So I think for those out there who are interested in, uh, who have been interested in Roxy Music, who are interested in U2 and Coldplay and Talking Heads and David Byrne, and all those great collaborations yeah. in Devo and all those great collaborations he's done over the years. I think this is a wonderful opportunity to come listen to Brian in person and, and maybe at the Q&A at the end of the evening there'll be an opportunity for asking her questions. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, now, maybe you can tell me just a little bit about um, the actual project, the 77 million paintings. Um, from what I understand, it's, it's a, a piece of software that he worked on developing with some collaborators, is that correct? The exhibition is actually split into two rooms. We have a room that we're calling Speaker Flowers, um, which is um, including new music that Brian has composed for the exhibition. So again, that's another opportunity oh, to wow. come hear new music by Brian, which again is an extraordinary opportunity. Uh, and in that room, there will be a series of prints that have been taken from the video installation. So it's a place where you can sit and contemplate and be quiet. Uh, we've laid carpet in the museum. We've painted the walls red in this particular gallery. And it's very contemplative, very reflective. Um, and the idea, I think, for the whole exhibition is that, you know, you can escape you know, Facebook and Twitter and all the social networking sites and your email and your cell phone and all the kind of news you're bombarded with every day. And this is a place for re for reflection. The second gallery uh, in the exhibition includes this very amazing um, video wall, which comprises of tw 12 monitors of varying sizes that are linked to computers that show uh, ever-changing images. So if you, the show's up for several months and you can come back time and time again and see a new image, a new series of images. And it's really like the, that gallery is very dark, um, it's very quiet, and it's like going to look at a, a stained glass window that's changing, that's very contemplative, um, very beautiful, very beautiful. Now, have you played a, a around with the software at all? Not yet, no. In fact, his team is arriving next week uh, to help us install the software. We've been spending the last few weeks uh, laying carpet, painting walls, building walls, um, you know, purchasing all of the things necessary to put the installation together. Because I think the software is available commercially for purchase, you know, like on, on Amazon. Um, and uh, anybody basically can, can load it onto their computer 
That, that's true, and I think and, that the, uh, the point of this installation is that it takes it, you know, with 12 monitors, and we get a chance to paint the room black and make it a real theatrical. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, but I meant though that that it's it's kind of nice, I think, that because everybody, I think, you can set a, a whole a whole slew of parameters um, and control in some ways how the the images unfold and transition and whatnot, and I think that. Um, uh, I think that's one of the, the beauties of Eno's thinking in creating this is that um, he allows it to have a certain sort of inherent structure, but at the same time, you can really kind of influence and sort of put your personal stamp on it, even though it's it's a generative process, sort of out of your control. It's 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 that's actually I think one of the one of the most interesting aspects of it. Well, and I think that he talks about the work being uh, um, such that, you know, the artist is not in control, although he sets the parameters and has sort of figured out this software. I think he, over the years uh, that he's been showing this particular work, has been surprised by some of the images because it is generative and it takes on very different forms every installation. So, and it is the beauty of the piece, I think, is that it's there are surprises and the, um, that's not predictable. Right, and and the the one thing that is predictable, though I think, is that um, the system can consistently produces beautiful images. You know, that's, to me, that's I mean, that's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's extraordinary. I mean, if you look at the th millions of images that this exhibition basically begins to highlight, is that uh, yeah, there there this notion of chance and, and and generative work is is fantastic because there is a sense of surprise. Uh, a sense of um, newness to every, every time you look at it. Right. Now, do you happen to know if the music that he's created for this installation is also going to be generative, or if it's going to be actual compositions? It's an actual composition oh. that's not available commercially. Uh -huh. Whether it will be made commercially later, I have no idea. But right. Right. So, and um, the lecture, has it sold out yet? Very close. Very close. Very close. We're... <clears throat> the uh, Carpenter Center seats 1,000 people, and the student uh, tickets go on sale next week. In fact, they go on sale today, mm -hmm. and um, I think that's going to push it over the top. But if anybody listening to this wants to get tickets, they should call the Carpenter Center or go to carpenterarch.org, their website, and see what's available. Great. And um, there's also a couple other associated events uh, with this exhibition, um, there's going to be a workshop uh, for circuit bending. Can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Well, there's going to be two events. There's going to be the circuit bending workshop and concert. Mm -hmm. And then we're also doing a um, panel called the Architecture of Sound. Um, and again, the idea is to take Brian's exhibition and explore it from a variety of perspectives. And the circuit bending workshop, which has been organized by another professor on campus, Richard Cooper, is a way for um, students um, to be engaged in a process that's um, that's imaginative and creative. And they essentially take apart toys and replay, play with their circuitry, and are able to play these things and have these different sounds and play. And the concert in the evening will be a, a group of these guys coming together and. And like a toy symphony, great, great, great fun. And um, uh, the the panel um, 
do you know who the participants are going to be for that? Mark Mangini, who was a sound designer for film, is one. Uh, John Undercoff, the gentleman I talked about earlier who worked with Steven Spielberg, who's the science advisor, will be moderating the panel. Um, Pamela Z, who is a composer from San Francisco, will also be on the panel. Um, and it's really going to begin to look at how environments and sound come together in a sort of architectural or conceptual way, which I think, you know, obviously, again, bouncing off the Eno exhibition as a point of departure for that kind of work. Right. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, she's going to be performing as part of the Slow Sound Festival as well. Is that correct? Pamela Z? Yeah. I, I believe so. that's true. That's correct. And um, that sort of dovetails a little bit into this whole... Uh, event here, even though it's a little bit separate, um, there's going to be a, a series of concerts through September um, uh, on he, on campus at Cal State Long Beach and at two other local venues. Well, we're very lucky in Long Beach to have Slow Sound and Sound Walk, mm-hmm. which are two events that happen every year. And when we did the Sound Oasis project, as I mentioned earlier a couple of years ago, we did it during the, the same period as uh, Sound Walk. And it's another way for uh, different communities in the city to collaborate with each other and use the marketing resources and and pull a different kind of audience for for different projects. But, yeah, it looks like September and October are going to be the months to have some pretty interesting sound projects take place in Long Beach. And, you know, again, this is uh, an interesting adventure, and I think we'll provide some fantastic new work. Excellent. Now, this is a, a slightly um, off the topic, but I'm, it's something I've always been curious about is, um, is there a relationship between the university, uh, the staff and the artists that come and, and display their work here, and the students who are in the art department or in the science departments? Or, I mean, is there kind of a dialogue that goes on? Is there kind of a, um, uh, an opportunity for... Um, these experience, these events that are happening here to inform the, the students that are, uh, aside from purchasing tickets at a discount. Absolutely. We, um, the museum, uh, which is obviously centered on campus, is a hub for student activity. And because exhibitions take, there's a long lead time in terms of organizing these projects, uh, many people in the music department and in the art department have known about the Eno exhibition for a couple of years. And the goal is is that those professors are able to maybe dovetail a part of their curriculum or their class structure to towards this kinds of uh, this kind of exhibition. And so the idea is is that the museum become a central it plays a central role in helping uh, is being a classroom or laboratory for studio arts or the visual arts and so forth. Right. Uh, do you think that there's an opportunity for actual? Um, uh, because I think that the the art program on campus, and this is not a criticism in any way, straight or form, uh, anyway, state or form, is is that it's a kind of traditional. I think that it's traditional painting, drawing, uh, ceramic. Um, you know, there's there used to be a, a bit more new media kind of focus, but that was less in the art department and more in the te- sort of the technology side. And I was just curious if you think that um, the focus that you sort of um, uh, articulated for the museum, and this is one of many that you've done here, uh, is this going to encourage the faculty or the the, 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 the department as a, as a whole to maybe shift a little bit in, in their focus? Well, 
I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. We also do this uh, conference called 5D: The Future of Immersive Design, which takes place every other year and looks at the the future of TV, film, architecture, gaming, and so on. And um, that conference, I'm, I'm sort of coming back to your question sure. in a reverse way, but that conference itself caused a lot of interesting discussion two years ago and it's also going to happen again this coming uh, in 010, October of 010. And we are actually working with many faculty on campus in the animation department and uh, film electronic arts department for helping organize some of that conference. I don't know that the museum has uh, whether the curriculum will follow what the museum is doing. That's I, I'm sure that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but it's I think the world is changing, not just the museum. I mean, you know, the the whole way we receive images is totally changing. Mm -hmm. And I think that with our uh, iPhones, whether you know we can listen to music, watch films, we have a GPS, um, we can call people text people, receive emails. I mean, the way we receive images these days and text and ideas is very different. And I think just think the culture is changing completely. So I think at some point the the visual arts or the creative fields have to stay up with that. Otherwise, they're going to become obsolete really quickly. Right, right. Well, um, when you uh, started putting the word out about this to the public, um, have you been receiving a lot of feedback from media, from other academic or museum entities about... Uh, well, there's, you know, the show opens in a couple of weeks, and there's a lot of interest um, from, like, the LA Times, the LA Weekly, um, the music magazines are beginning to pick it up, it, uh, Amoeba's working with us, the record store in LA, Fingerprints here in Long Beach is working with us. Oh, right. Um, you know, it's hard to to know exactly where the whole impact of the project will take, when it will take place, because it's not happened yet. Right. But there does seem to be, and I'm pleased to say this, I think a little bit of a, a buzz about it. It's taken a lot of energy from the museum staff to put this on. Yeah. I think it's a huge project for, I think for the city of Long Beach, frankly. Um, and uh, I hope that everybody here in the city takes advantage, of, takes advantage of the show, comes to the show, goes to see Brian's, hear Brian's lecture and be a part of what I think is an interesting event. Right. Well, and I think that's definitely, I, that's the one thing that I, I think is, is, is so clear is that this is really a world-class event. And I think that the museum is a world-class museum because you have that vision of, of not being limited by the size of the facility or you know the resources you you just use all of your resources so creatively to bring the best work the most interesting work that's going on here and i think that i i think that for the city as a as a as a community resource uh, i think it's a little underappreciated actually well, i appreciate you saying that i think it is too and i think the building is just a building um and i think we you know the, the fact that we come to work every day wanting to work with ideas Right. And ideas don't necessarily associate with a building or a location or a place. And I think that uh, oftentimes, over the last 25 years, I've been curating and working in museums that, that you don't always have to be in you know, New York or L.A. or some other major uh, city to make interesting things happen. So uh, I just hope, as you pointed out, that people pay attention to the show and, and see it as a, I think... Um, 
a great cultural event. I think people can come learn something from Brian's work and and enjoy something too. Hopefully, it'll be fun. Yeah, and and like uh, just to reiterate again, you know, the, the one great thing about this exhibit is when you come to see it, it will never ever be the same again. You can walk in the, do- the door, walk out, and walk back in. It will be a completely different exhibit. Exactly right. <laughs> and you know, you can park the car if you yeah. want. If you want a little sanctuary, a little quiet place, and we do have. I should point this out. We do have special parking for this exhibition, so you can come park close to the museum, and if you want to come escape for. Ten minutes, an hour, th- several hours. You, there's, there's a great uh, seating. We've provided new soft seating, so to speak, lighting, and it's a very relaxed and calm space. Hmm. One last question: um, Will Brian allow you to capture and distribute his lecture um, online after the fact, or even live? We're in the process of going through what that would mean. Mm-hmm. Um, because you pointed out that Brian's of an international note, and this is a huge event, the idea of us putting this on YouTube or you know putting it through as a um, iTunes U as a podcast, we're still working out those details. Mm-hmm. But that's a possibility. It is a possibility. Well, that'd be great because I mean, like you said, there's it's a it's a thousand seats, and I'm that's sure there's more than a thousand people, people who would like say, to, yeah. to hear what he has to say. Yeah. So great. Well, I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank, Thank you. you.